0: Fighting human trafficking is not a Democrat issue or Republican issue, it's a humanitarian issue. Everybody should be arm in arm, locked in lockstep fighting against human trafficking.
1: Welcome to Bullish, where we talk about the journey and process to build ourselves and companies into multi-billion dollar people and brands. Currently, my business and investment funds have done tens of millions in revenue. And this is the documentation of the journey to scale to the billion dollar realm. All while we give back and do good in the world. My name is Bridger Pennington and welcome to Bullish. Sean Reyes, yes, welcome to the show. We've got Utah's Attorney General here, yes, Baller as well. That's he, my day he, job. That's the day job. Yeah. Night lighting a bunch of other cool stuff. We're going to talk about and yeah, yeah. and uh, great speaker. You've done incredible things on shows with, and we're going to talk about ESG, sex trafficking, and a lot of the, the... Got limitless coming up too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, do. yeah. You're speaking at that big event in a few mm-hmm. months. You got some cool things going on. So um, welcome on. Good Thank to have you, you here. Bridger so
0: Pennington. Um, by the way, it's kind of cool because I've kind you don't realize, but I've watched you grow up. Um, mm-hmm. Your father, John, is a dear friend, uh, and he is one of one of my heroes. Uh, I've worked with him for many years, and it's funny um, because how I got to know him. You know, you had um, you, you had a really great team. He was running a real estate investment mm-hmm. fund, Rock Bridge, and you had Don Hartman and Paul Hutchinson, and your dad was the compliance guy, John Pennington. Amazing, but. I had heard from different people, including some of my own clients, when I had Accelerate Ventures with Isaac Jacobson, we were running that. They're like, dude, there are these, this this fund is killing it. And they told us the returns. And I'm like, no, I got to investigate that. There's no way that mm. that is legit and real because there are so many yeah. posers and, uh, and uh, fraudsters in the space. So checked it out, did a lot of diligence and realized, no, they actually are hyper-performing and they're doing it the right way. And I give so much credit to your dad, John Pennington, cause he has more integrity than, you know, four or five guys combined that I know. And he would always make sure that you guys, well, you guys, that that their fund and their investors won, were successful, but won the right way. And it would never cut corners, always, mm-hmm. always stay on the right side of the law and even uh, of, of principle and morality. Anyway, I, I have uh, been a big fan and also a good friend of John's for years. So watching you just come up uh, and people are like, hey, this guy overnight blew up Bridger, and I'm like, no, he's been working it for a long time, mm-hmm. right? There isn't really any overnight yeah. success. And seeing your fund and all the different funds that you've launched, like over a hundred last year, and um, doing cars and crypto and 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 giving back so much to the community, uh, the you know the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So, uh,
1: well, with, thank you. That's yeah. awesome. Well, it's fun to see you. I've, I've been watching your career just from the distance as well as yeah. all the stuff you done, which just phenomenal. So let's dive into this. So cool. people yeah. that don't know you very often yeah, we're going to go, we were just, we're talking before the show. So one of the executive producers of yeah. Sound of Freedom, yeah, Sound of yeah. Freedom just blew
0: up. I'm an associate producer and we're so excited about the response that oh, people yeah. have had.
1: Now you're uh, an associate producer because you've had a long history with these operations with Tim Ballard going way back. Yeah, Do you want yeah. to give us a, a few of. Well, I think people, if you haven't seen the movie, go check the movie out. Yeah. Give us some stuff though that maybe you wouldn't hear just on the everyday yeah. about this movie and/or the ops that are going on. And you've been on a number of these. Well, almost from yeah. day
0: one, um, as Tim said. You know, when when I came in the door, they had a card table and a couple of guys with incredible passion and excitement. Mm. Tim had just left being a superstar agent at Homeland Security but his heart had been broken too many times because he would go spearhead these ops overseas and be at the cusp of rescuing little kids or men and women um, and families And the U S government kept pulling him back because if there weren't United States, there weren't American children mm-hmm. yeah. implicated, then some treaty or some red tape would force him to come home. And he just had had it and said, I'm, I'm done. And God's guiding me so that I can go do this and be a confidential informant. Well, he needed somebody on the other side who still, could work with law enforcement, had a badge, could Mm -hmm. make calls to other governments. And it worked out perfectly. He and I, I would handle domestic human trafficking cases through the AG's office. Mm -hmm. And we're the tip of the spear for those cases. And we have federal, state, county, city, tribal assets that all work with us. But outside of that and overseas, we have no jurisdiction. So Tim became a confidential informant and recruited me. And soon I was with them at going all over the world to do different operations. Mm -hmm. And we had other friends, Paul Hutchinson, that we brought in, who worked with your dad that I mentioned at rock bridge. And, and, uh, it was, it was an amazing start to everything. And the movie sound of freedom. Well, it's interesting.
1: You have a a state AG, what year did you become AG? 2013, 13. Okay. You have a state AG, all, all of a sudden, in these foreign countries doing sex trafficking ops and working with other states. I mean, that's very unusual for a state yeah. politician, I guess you could call yourself, to be doing stuff way beyond your job.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of unicornish
1: yeah. that way, but also in others, in a lot of
0: regulators, and it's something we can talk about later about policy and tech and crypto and other mm-hmm. things. Not a lot of regulators have actually run businesses or invested in mm-hmm. businesses like I did with with Accelerate. And so I was blessed to kind of have that, that background and bring that into the job with me. Kind of came in uh, a little bit uh, in the middle of things because my predecessors were indicted. And so the governor had to appoint somebody. Mm. I was running the, the tech fund and he said, hey, uh, you know, Isaac was the founder of that. And I said, Isaac, can I take off for a little bit so I can go do this service? To the state, he's like, "Yeah, like how long?"
1: So the former AG was indicted. Yeah, and then you were appointed. Yeah, appointed oh, in two thousand thirteen
0: December, and so um, like, and, and almost immediately had to over, uh you know, take over all these different things with all the scandal mm. and the office with the with the giant black guy. And the governor had said, "You know, you come in for like a year, you know, turn it around, and yeah. you, you could go back." But as I it, it almost immediately had to run for reelection, two thousand fourteen is an election year. Yeah, yeah, I was I was sworn in December thirtieth. Um, January 1st or January 15th, I I had to file to run for (laughs) re-election, start a legislative session, three cases at the United States Supreme Court, including same sex marriage, which was at that time, the biggest constitutional question Mm -hmm. in the country and also try to rehabilitate an office that had been, you know, I would say neglected in a lot of significant ways. Here's a good example for those of you who are in tech, you know, I get there and I'm like, Hey, that looks like word perfect. I used to represent Novell when I was a young, mm-hmm. young lawyer, and worked for Dave Bradford. And and like, what is that doing here? They're like, that's our system. And I'm like, are you kidding me? In because 2013, yeah, the entire world <laughs> is, has moved far beyond that. That would be like us here popping in a beta, you know, yeah, like a flash like, drive or something. Yeah. yeah something. <laughs> By the way, yeah, I represented Iomega back there with those. Or like Zim a floppy disk. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, it, it was a really heavy lift. But when I got into it, then I didn't want to leave. I'm like, okay, I can't abandon these folks. I'm now in charge of turning this all around. And and we did. Um, And one of the things that I will mention again to bring it back to the trafficking side that helped us shed this image of graft and corruption and greed in the AG's office was all of a sudden the AG's office became synonymous with protecting kids, whether it was human Mm -hmm. traffickers or child pornographers or child predators. We started working with Safe UT on that app and protecting kids from suicidality and working mm-hmm. on mental behavioral health issues, protecting kids from opioid overdoses. And my whole energy went into those areas. I also thought, man, these are great places because I looked at politics as being too divisive. Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah. you know what? Everybody just screams at each other. And that was bad in 13. It's probably even worse now. But who can't get behind protecting our kids from
1: overdosing on drugs or being exploited uh, by traffic. Well, I notice, I notice from your Twitter, most of your issues you go after are pretty bipartisan. Uh, you know, we it's, try. it's like we can, I mean, not everything, but it's almost yeah. like, man, everyone can agree. We should be yeah. throwing predators in jail or doing something right. to prosecute yeah. child predators. Right. And it's like, and you go after a lot of these things, which we want to dive into. Let's talk about fentanyl. You brought up fentanyl and opioid, huge crisis. I think I see stuff in Utah and billboards. I think it's been ran a lot by your office come through. And I, I know you have have had some big cases on this. The most recent one is fentanyl, though. I mean, fentanyl is uh, just tearing a cart across the nation. What's your take on fentanyl and policies to, I don't know, change the current state?
0: Yeah, I think it's undisputed. Regardless of how someone approaches what we do at the border, it's you have to acknowledge that there is uh, a tsunami of illicit drugs, um, as you mentioned, Bridger, primarily fentanyl right now or, or, or other types of um, opiates that are, you know, d- cartels are pretty creative. And mm. if something becomes illegal or certain um, uh, parts of it are, are uh, uh, listed, they'll they'll pivot. So fentanyl or fentanyl like substances are destroying America. Every or, do people know they're
1: taking like fentanyl? Is, there, are there, is, there, is it mixed in yes with and other no. things?
0: So uh, in many cases, it's, it's mixed in with other things like mm. college students trying to take Xanax or uh, uh, something else to either avoid anxiety or deal with uh, pressure or mm. get to sleep. And what they don't realize is that it's laced with fentanyl. The idea mm. from the traffickers is to try to get these young people hooked on opioids right? They're, they're not trying to kill them. The problem is when they're running these, they don't have a lot of quality control, right? This isn't a large um, <laughs> so you know, the drug cartel. manufacturers, yeah. cartels, they're mixing this stuff. They've got people that they've human trafficked there and they're mixing batches and they're, uh, you know, mm-hmm. this is black tar heroin uh, from, you know, folks that are, are being trafficked. So very little quality control. And if you think about making chocolate chip cookies, for example, if you're not really careful, you can have a cookie that has three chocolate chips and one that has 50 in in Mm -hmm. there. And unfortunately, without that QC, um, far too many people, men, women, and, 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 you know, students and children included, uh, end up taking something that has a lethal dose of fentanyl and they die from an overdose. One of the biggest perpetrators of this was a young man who lived in a small little Utah community, Cottonwood Heights. Mm. And he was running one of the largest global rings through the dark web. Um, we, with the DEA, worked on that case for a number of years. Uh, we uh, captured him, prosecuted him, got a life sentence. Um, uh, there's no way he's, he's going to get out. He, thousands of his clients died, um, and he had tens of thousands of them worldwide, but thousands of them died um, due to overdose. Um, and 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 those are the types of things mm. I, I often say. Every state is a border state these days because maybe they're not contiguous to the border, mm. not physically, but they all we all are dealing with the, the effects, effects of that, right? So whether you're in the eastern seaboard, you're Midwest, you're
1: you're up in the it's Pacific everywhere. Northwest. So walk me through this this kid in Cottonwood Heights. Um, yeah. What's the psychology of someone like that? Does he does he know that his clients are dying? Is it just for the money? Is he? I mean. Walk me through his, you pers- pr- prosecute these people, you get yeah. to meet people and you get to meet sex traffickers. Yeah. You know, he's some of the lowest people on earth that are doing just horrific well, well, crimes. Here's a, here's What's the, your thought?
0: Here's the you know the irony of all that. He comes from a really good family, a mm-hmm. respected family. And he had, um, you know, a, a, a good upbringing by all accounts. Mm. Um, you know, he was a boy scout and uh, um, he was, uh, you know, did, did well in school. Um, and and I don't pretend to know uh, what motivates um, criminals and and perpetrators. I think in certain cases they're sociopaths. I think they don't feel remorse. I think hmm. um, that gives them a lot of power over other human beings like uh, like us because there are certain things that you, we wouldn't even do to our enemies, you mm-hmm. know, or or people that you uh, we there's there are things that we we know that human beings would do, and they they, they being sociopaths um, just don't have any of those qualms. And yeah. so it's greed, um, at the end of the day, almost all of it comes down to money to and money. greed, mm-hmm. and the amount of money that they could make. For example, we were doing some forensics on that case. And again, a major credit, this is what DEA case that they combined with the state. So whenever I say mm. we, I'm talking about all of the team, and there were other yeah. local agencies that helped the U.S. Attorney's office um, gave my prosecutor in the AG's office um, the authority. He was a Sousa to be able to prosecute the case. So again, mm-hmm. when I say we, it's it's everyone. But what we discovered was he sourced. He being the perpetrator. Um, his his name is Aaron Shammo. Aaron. Uh, so it's the 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 Shamo case. Um, he would source from China. Uh, you know an amount of pure fentanyl. That could cost $10,000. I think it was even less than that. Like we, what we tracked one was a $6,000, um, buy or $10,000 buy. And he could sell that by cutting it into, you know, you know, microscopic amounts and lacing that all over the pills that he was selling as a pill mill. He could make millions. Really? off off of of
1: 10,000 could turn into millions just by separating and putting in the right. Spots, yeah. Those wow. Those kinds
0: of um, you know returns and mm. uh, those margins, you know, are are unbelievable. And when you start to do that, and you're not, you know, he's not dealing with the deaths. He's not yeah. there watching families suffer. By the way, I do want to just throw a shout out. I have a show on A and E called Addiction Unplugged. I'm an executive producer on that show, and I'm the narrator. Um, and we we had our first season in 2019, pre-COVID, and we were one of the top shows on A and E. We replaced a show called intervention which i know was really popular with a lot of america but i always thought it was kind of exploitative watching watching a family suffer
1: and kind of mm,
0: seeing like whether animated. their loved one would live or die at the uh, end of the show or you know seemed kind of barbaric frankly to me <laughs> and um and i and my well, my my partners um it was a guy named Stu goffman who sold his recovery and rehabilitation centers and he used that money to create Addiction Unplugged. And it was a show that I loved. And so we jumped in as partners to show uh, some really hopeful stories about people who've overcome their addiction Mm -hmm. and then lift others out of their
1: cycle. So that's the purpose of the show is help this whole cycle of addiction. We just finished Mm -hmm.
0: shooting season two. We we had a three-year hiatus. um, And one of the, the episodes that we shot is of Court McGee. Court is my co-host on our beatdown podcast focused on MMA and boxing and wrestling and combat sports. But Court McGee, still in the UFC over 10 years, well-respected fighter, winner of the ultimate, um, uh, fighter. Uh, I can't remember which season exactly. Um, but court was dead, not that many years ago, flatlined in the streets of Utah from overdosing on drugs and said that, you know, God gave him another chance. Literally. Mm -hmm. uh, He was Came back from the dead. For minutes. No way. Was he revived or just he came too? He came too. Whoa. And I think they were working on trying to revive him. They didn't have naloxone at the time. Mm -hmm. By the way, shout out to Utah Naloxone, all of our partners that work on our state opioid task force. Now people realize what a Wonder drug naloxone it has saved what a, is it a, drug? a lot what is of it? lives. Naloxone, Narcan, it's called so the Lazarus drug. If someone's overdosed, yeah, you, you can new shoot that naloxone in, and they, it is painful, but they will, um, wow, they'll wake really? up. What does it and, do?
1: Is it a shot? Like is you put it in their a, leg you can, or something, you can, or you can
0: uh, you can uh, administer it with an injection. It can also be, um, you know, through a orally through. Uh,
1: and it just um, it pulls people out yeah, of an overdose. It, Whoa! It,
0: it'll it keeps them uh, uh, around long enough for us to then be able to uh, address all of the the emergency um, conditions. So yeah, so naloxone there wasn't. Court mm. was done. He was dead, and like I said, he was flatlined, and he came back and and used that second chance. To create a career in combat sports and became you know a Utah star and then an MMA um, really cool. veteran and he uses that with his nonprofit to to help kids. We just finished shooting that whole story
1: um, to wrap our uh, you know final episode for season two of Addiction Unplugged. So he's so, in the show with you and you guys both do it together. Really cool. Where do you guys film out of? Is it Utah?
0: So um, he is on on a show called The Beatdown. So I conflated a whole lot of stuff. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff here. So you got the Beatdown so as a, a podcast. Beatdown is a vidcast podcast. Cool. And then we that's a, an A&E show. And the A&E show called Addiction Unplugged mm. is a separate um, uh, concern that we have. But we highlighted the Court McGee story yeah, on, for one of yeah. the episodes okay, of really season cool. two that I can't wait. Um, to see.
1: Hey, hey, what's going on people? Hope you're enjoying the show. This is Bridger Pennington here. So if you've liked the show so far, if you're more of a visual learner, we actually post almost all of these to YouTube. So if you go look me up, Bridger Pennington on YouTube, we're there. We actually have a ton of different content on funds and different business structure and strategy stuff that we kind of don't touch on on the podcast, but are more visual based stuff. So if you're a visual learner, go to YouTube and go check me out, Bridger Pennington on YouTube. With that, we'll get back to the show. Thanks guys.
0: We have found the cure for alcoholism. When I say we, this amazing Dr. Amanda Wilson with her North Star company. <laughs> just throwing, the,
1: okay, you're just throwing the, okay, we got to dive into this. Yeah, yeah so. The cure of alcoholism. She was one of the most pivotal
0: and pioneering um, uh, forces in dealing with opioid use disorder. Hmm. Opioid use disorder is a killer of tens of thousands of Americans every year. However, it pales in comparison in terms of the number to those suffering from alcohol use Mm, disorder, AUD, right? I mean, if you do a chart, it's it's hundred AUD Mm -hmm. and there's like one for opioid Mm. use disorder, right? I don't know the exact numbers. Like, I've got to go back and look that up. So I don't want to overstate too much, but way more. So how does she get people out of it? So what's she doing? Amazing technology. Psychedelics or is it? No, no psychedelics whatsoever. And I'm not here to knock, you know, I, I know a lot of our friends are out there probably listening on an ayahuasca journey or doing other things, (laughs) licking the toad and you know, God bless them for what, whatever helps them, um, you know, be more positive and help more people. You know what, that it's great, but no, there's none of that involved. So she created the first telehealth um, systems for uh, opioid use disorder. And she said, I'd love to be able to do that on alcohol use disorder, but the magic sauce is in, in essence, she takes a DNA profile, of the person, non-invasive, quick, mm. and matches the medication to be able to block the receptors for each individual that drive
1: AUD, OUD. Mm. Hold on, oh. so let me understand this. So she takes a DNA test, yeah, and then matches it to block. So that when someone drinks, they don't feel. So they'll as lose their the, the urge the, to the drink, urge drink. drink. Okay. within
0: days or weeks. Interesting. Opioid use disorder, there's only really one receptor that drives that. So it was easy to mask. Once you, mm. you could, you could get them over that insatiable desire, the thing that drives them to steal, to hurt other people, to mm. hurt themselves. Then you could deal with all the other effects because there's, mm. there are a number of secondary tertiary effects. Similarly with AUD. However, the challenge there is that there's not just one receptor. There are over a dozen receptors and you could mask Eleven of them, and you miss the right one. The person is still addicted to alcohol Mm. and still can't get out of that cycle. But she's able to get all of them. She's able to get all of them, match them, and right away. If you can now imagine that you are drinking, you know, ten times the legal limit every single day for the last ten years, and all of a sudden, boom, desire is gone. The desire is gone. Now she bathes you. I don't. Not literally. She she (laughs) feeds you with potassium, with Mm. calcium, with a lot of minerals and other things that the alcohol um, cycle robs an individual Mm. of. And in fact, it's a vicious cycle because it tricks the brain into saying, I need alcohol to replenish what I've lost. And then it just keeps more than other other nutrients, worse and worse Mm. and worse down. She does that. She has an Oculus system for um, a support group. So it's like AA, but you do it virtually, virtually on your own. And and you can micro target instead of just being in a group of random folks that you don't know what their background is, you can say, Hey, look, I'm suffering from PTSD. I want to be with other Navy SEALs who are trying to overcome alcohol mm-hmm. use disorder and with your avatars oh. in with only those folks, or I'm a single mom with kids under five years old. I just want to be with others there. There are, are all sorts of, she has different... a big
1: group then. she's got a lot of people doing this. She, she has <laughs> enough to do big groups like that and super niche super over, over
0: a year. Uh, yeah, so there there are out there, but th- that's, that's the theory of it. Over the last year of of tests, um, we've only run about 200 patients through this. Mm. Um, but the, the numbers
1: are phenomenal. And how, many, yeah, how many of those, let's say 200? So let me
0: set it up for you first. Cold turkey, people just trying to stop on their own, about an 8% success rate. Mm. And most of them end up dying because they go in and out of rehab, so expensive. And mm. at the end of the day, it doesn't cure them and th- they're gone and um, Alcoholics Anonymous, which has been the gold standard. Um, and again, I, I know a lot of people who, who will swear by the positive effects of that, but AA themselves tout their 11 or 12% uh, recovery rate. Mm, so yeah. it's great. It's a, you know, it's a margin above the cold turkey rate. Ours above 90%, wow. right? Jeez. So ours, because again, once you get the folks off of that compulsion, then you can start to heal them other ways. They're actually healed within the first six weeks, two months, but she doesn't leave them there. They're assigned a, a physician, nurse, uh, nurse's assistants, a whole team to wrap around them. And it's a year-long program. Mm. They don't have to go in. They can do it remotely because, because what, of telehealth.
1: telehealth? Um, how, how many have gone through the full year? Or a lot of it still in the process? Or have 200 they, have, have gone, gone through, through the, the full, full year. year. Wow. Yeah. Uh, 90% maybe, are she off. has. Yeah. It's actually wow. higher, but I'm trying to, you know, not over, overstate
0: because overstate yeah. we don't really have to. She has other things like a ring that monitors their blood alcohol level every mm. single day. Right. So there's instant feedback there. It's, it's a, um, you know, it's wow. Really
1: good. Cool. The, the,
0: the numbers show that the longer that you stay in the rehab, the problem is for most of that, you have to leave your job. You have to leave your family. Yeah, You're full in
1: this one. It this, sounds like it's you not can too do crazy. It home,
0: and the people who have have gone through it have just said it's, it's, you know, obviously change their lives. But mm. if you think about the most important things are the lives and marriages and relationships um, that are, are going to be saved, not just in America, but globally, but also think about this. It's it's over, it's trillions mm. of dollars when you're talking about the health impact to the ecosystem of the healthcare oh, system. Yeah. Because alcohol use disorder affects, you know, not just kidney and liver and brain and heart. It, it's so much... More pervasive, and so as we've rolled this out with providers, they are on cloud nine because they're saying, "Look, we we have the recidivism rate for our patients is every single year we're paying uh, you know x amount of dollars, hundred thousand dollars. You go to a really high end Betty Ford clinic, it can mm-hmm. be hundreds of thousands of dollars, and they
1: don't get better. Mm-hmm. And so every year we we just do the same thing and line up. So walk me through this real quick. Is a state AG? Yeah. It, like, it sounds like you're doing a lot outside of like I would think. Just okay, you can only affect things in Utah right. or in some little segments of the the yeah. state. Yeah, you're obviously doing things way outside the boundaries of Utah, yeah. where you're helping companies or people. Now, walk me through that. Is mo, are most AGs doing that, or is that unique to you? You know, I, um, I, I how, what's I, your jurisdiction on that? How does I that don't
0: work? know if if anybody else is doing that. I, I haven't really heard, uh, but uh, I want to be clear. I, I, <laughs> I still put in you know, 70, 80 hours a week on the Utah centric Mm. stuff, the over 50 to 100,000 cases that we might have at any one time. You know, I've got amazing hundreds of dedicated lawyers, uh, special agents, um, legal professionals, all helping me focus on those cases. So as I talk about these other things, I don't want to give the impression that our priority is not, mm. first and foremost, protecting Utah's, protecting their liberties, protecting their property, mm-hmm. protecting our natural resources. However, I talk about that stuff like yeah. 24 hours a day, seven days a week with people. So I get excited yeah, when oh I can yeah. talk to people well, I think about it, some of the other stuff. I
1: but, think for me, at least I, you look at state politics or even city and you're like, well, I don't know if I can affect that much change. But if I go to Washington, yeah. that's like this this pool of, I don't want to be on politics in Washington and just, and people feel like oh, I'm not going to run for office ever in my life because I can't affect that much change, but you're showing even at a state level, yeah, a lot of change. It's actually the effective.
0: converse because you're right. Intuitively, you think I'd go to Washington DC because you then have a national footprint yeah. to be able to get more done nationally? The sad fact is, and my friends who are in there in DC will, will, you know, contest to this, is that most of uh, you know the, the, most of what's going on is at such an impasse hmm. there that nothing's getting done at the or very little is getting done at the federal level so actually being at the state level i've had several opportunities to serve in administration uh you know uh, and 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 have you know federal authority uh, or go run for federal office i've i've you know Resisted those because I really think you can make the most difference Mm -hmm. at the state level. And so let me finish answering your question about: I yes, I have the core responsibilities and duties. And so long as I, it's not impacting or or, or hurting me, then in my spare time, the other forty hours a week that you know that I'm awake, I sleep like you know four hours a a night. um, Then.
1: You're really what, sleeping four hours a night? About? Well, four to five, right? I get to bed Jeez. around
0: three or 4 a.m. And then we wow. back up eight or nine. It just depends. Yeah. Geez. Seven days a week. Um, that's like my one. You week, function well with hour. that?
1: You know what? I function. Do you get tired I'm in the afternoon. You 80%. have to snap and stuff.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I can fall asleep right now. If we were taking yeah. a break for 20 minutes You'd here, out, I'd probably yeah. just you know, <laughs> nod off and, and yeah. catch a little uh, um, cat nap. But, but if with the other 40 hours, you know, I used to coach a lot. I used to play a lot of, you know, rec league sports. I Mm -hmm. used to watch sports center. I don't do much of that anymore because if I can take uh, Dr. Amanda Wilson and take her brilliance and import it into Utah and use these in drug um, courts, for Mm -hmm. example, and instead of with DUIs, imagine the power all these folks that have DUIs, we take away their cars. This is understandable. I'm not, by the way, trying to defend anybody who's driving under the influence. To the contrary, I think it's appropriate that we're we're very strict with them. But what do we do? We don't actually heal them. Mm-hmm. What about this program? Yeah, really and so cool. Amanda and I are trying to get this and, and get Utah positioned as the world leader on fighting AUD that's just one manifestation one application Mm -hmm. of it what if so we've already introduced her to a whole bunch of Utah providers what if Utah is the one that rolls this out and shows people Mm -hmm. that whether it's um, our men and uh, women in the armed services who are suffering from PTSD and they're alcoholics because of that yeah yeah then then let's use that we're working with nonprofits in Utah it's just that when I see something that is that game-changing that transformational. I'm selfish. I don't want Indiana
1: or Texas. When you can use your platform to roll it in and, and make some great introductions and roll us into the state, which is uh, absolutely, fantastic, right? Yeah.
0: Because the AG's position is so expansive, right? Mm-hmm. I represent every aspect of every government apparatus in mm-hmm. um, some way or another. Has an assistant attorney general, mm-hmm. and we're advising them. Um, they don't have to. They don't have to listen to us. We give them advice, and then I have constitutional mandates and i also have legislative um you know duties that that mm-hmm. have been given to me um through policy and between all of that yeah absolutely it's my in my spare time i can bring these companies in they help our business they help grow businesses oh, in yeah. utah yeah that's great they help us from you know a, a, a and social solve a lot standpoint of problems from a social standpoint yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's one of the things that I love doing most. Yeah. And so whether it, it's that issue or creating safety or rapid DNA to be able to take, can you imagine we had, when I came in murder cases, rape cases, we'd send that to the Rocky mountain forensics lab, right? In the Intermountain. Mm. it could take a year or up to two years to get a sample back on DNA. Jeez. So two things happen. We used to let the perpetrator go. Right. And they're, they're on a bail doing a yeah, I mean, recap from it. Yeah. Right. Gonna, yeah. I mean, they could be killing again. Mm-hmm. They could be raping um, innocent people um, out there suffering because our technology was so antiquated mm. uh, or the system that we had set up was so inefficient. And again, it's no knock on the lab folks or those. It, it's just, just the it, system's just not built out. It wasn't yeah. built up. So, We partnered with some, you know, again, coming from a tech background, knowing a lot of folks in the, in the sector partnered with um, several folks who had cutting edge technology that took the cycle down from, let's say 24 months to 24 hours. Mm -hmm. So one, we didn't have to let suspects back out. We could do cases almost immediately. Mm -hmm. And two, which I think is almost as important when you had a two year or one year wait, guess what? The five guys who were in the building when the murder took place were also suspects and they were under criminal investigation until they were exonerated or cleared by the DNA evidence, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, horrible. They could lose their yeah. their job, their practice, a, a lot of shame in that. Well, this uh, changes, again, that, whole changes thing. that whole dynamic.
1: Hey, it's Bridger here. I wanted to share some cool free stuff that we've been offering lately at Fund Launch. So I periodically do live trainings. I hop on live Zoom calls. We whiteboard stuff out. It's pretty awesome. We have a free channels and groups and communities that we get together and share and teach and help one another. So if you're interested in hopping on one of our next live trainings, and again, I'm not there to pitch you on anything. I just truly do this to help more people understand this game of funds if you go to fundlaunch.com and on that page, just opt in anywhere on the page. What will happen? You just put your email in. And what I will do is send you notifications and updates when we go live. So you can hop on a live zoom call with me. We can break down. We can even answer Q and A directly with you. We can hop on and make sure things are figured out in your business fund space, whatever you're doing. So again, go to fundlaunch.com. You guys can opt in there and be notified for our next live training we're doing. Have you had any, uh, so shifting gears a little bit, any cases where I mean, you're you're pretty much 100%. You know the guy or gal's guilty, but you don't have the right evidence or right structure to present the evidence to a jury. Walk me through it. Do you have a case or two you could walk me through that you had it took time or process to build that case to yeah. then finally convict someone that you already knew was guilty two or three years prior? Yeah. Um,
0: there's so many of those. Um, but, but since I was on the Rapid DNA, maybe I'll use that as an example of how we, we knew what was going on and the and the system, the, the Rapid DNA, actually helped facilitate getting to a, a conclusion, a resolution that was um, that was good for the families, for the victims. Um, so in one, there was a murder case in Cache Valley hmm. and we knew who it was and it was a relative of the family and he, he knew we knew um, and, and it was because we used the Rapid DNA system to be able to um, pin him down and nail him right away. Hmm. And had we not had that system, he could have been in the wind, he could have been gone, it could have been a much more drawn out, traumatic
1: um, case for the family. So prior to this, it would have been a, a months, years kind of a case and to then, get that.
0: Um, because we got him so fast, and because he um, knew that the, the strength of the case that we had built, um, we were able to ultimately exchange the, the death penalty. Um, in consultation with the family, mm. they they wanted to know the whereabouts of the remains of their little one. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we we bartered that um, in exchange for the death penalty to be able to take us and have that closure for the family, which was the most significant for them. But again, the reason why we were able to do that was because we had the DNA, proper tools yeah. to, to be able to. In other cases, we had, by the way, one of the times, We, we had a suspect and we, we were pretty sure that it was that person, but we didn't have that link that you were talking Mm -hmm. about, that that last thing, that last smoking gun. And guess what? We found it up in a cabin. It was a, it was a um, nearly empty, um, diet Mountain Dew can. And because Mm -hmm. the suspect had drank from that, we were able to use the rapid DNA to match it back and finally put together the can the can dna
1: matched with yes for from from months before
0: oh wow we were able to get that and um and because of that the they confessed to the crime
1: and we were able Mm. to um to get a resolution um to that yeah so there's so there's so many uh, the the dna stuff is just (laughs) just funny to hear these stories of people that not funny it's sad just families that are you know so they, here, thought, they thought dad was this guy. And all of a sudden DNA te- tells them dad was a different guy. Oh yeah, and people that like have Jerry Springer
0: kind of. Yeah. They've raised kids for 20
1: years and those aren't their yeah. kids. And it's just, it's very interesting. That's
0: almost. That. Yeah. 23andMe yeah. and, uh, you know, Ancestry.com. I've taken both of those. And I think they're such, they're so cool to be able to connect to your mm. heritage and your lineage. But I know that they've caused some, severe some serious damage. Issues yeah. oh, for yeah. families because they've rewritten history yeah. for them. You, you asked the question, though, really, there's another case really fast, even though it was a, such an elaborate case. A public official in the state of Arizona um, was using his legal background and his knowledge of the certain culture of the Marshall Islands to mm. exploit Marshallese women to have their children here in the U.S. Mm. and then sell them on the black market adoption ring. Wow. And then send them back, telling them that eventually their kids would come back. Um, Mm -hmm. to them in the Marshall Islands and they never did. And this was going on for like a decade. So he was making millions of dollars, exploiting not only the birth mothers Mm -hmm. and their families, and of course the children themselves, but also the adoptive families who were, they didn't know it was a black market. They thought he was legitimate. Mm -hmm. And he said, look, I'm, you know, I can facilitate uh, instead of waiting two or three years, I can get a a baby for you in six months. And Mm -hmm. so they paid a a lot of money, um, not realizing. And we knew he was guilty. And we knew because some nurses had uh, had turned us on to what was going on. But in order to gather the evidence, to make that case with a sitting public official in mm. the state, it needed to be ironclad. This
1: guy was and, a public sitting and Arizona. Re- so why did you get married in? Maricopa County, from...
0: Arizona, because he was having the, uh, many of the babies of the Marshallese women were, were being birthed here in Utah. Oh, so it came and the leads the state. and tips came from um, mm. Utah professionals and nurses. And so we were the lead and as we, realized who it was. We knew the target was then in Arizona. So we engaged Arizona law enforcement and the AG's office there. We realized that the, the adopted children had been um, sold into, um, you know, over 20 States in the United States, a lot of them in, in Arkansas. And so Arkansas wanted to join and we used their resources. Wow. Again, we try to pull. Well, finally, what well,
1: finally, finally nailed the guy.
0: Um, we, we, we got as in many cases, we, we got those of his Confederates, those working with him, Women who spoke Marshallese that he was using as intermediaries, we nailed them on some mm. other tax evasion, other types of um, uh, of charges and crimes. And then they turned uh, on mm. him. And when we had that, you know, that kind of testimony, uh, we could then push forward and uh, and charge him. And he, he we, we allowed Arkansas federal to, to start first. So he's serving time. Under the the federal um, jurisdiction that, wow, that they have in the case, and then he'll come back to Arizona, and and I just said, okay, we'll we'll wait, and if he's still alive, then he serves the rest of his time, oh, so probably the rest each, of his life, really in Utah. Wow. Yeah, it's not concurrent. Um, it's, yeah, it moves. Oh, geez. So yeah, anyway, the, but
1: those are those are kinds of cases yeah. that that the AG's office works. It's A different different topic. What are your yeah. thoughts on this? Uh, all this UFO stuff in the Pentagon this week. Oh wow! Yeah, that, that's that's great. I thought you were going to ask me a Skinwalker Ranch oh. question, <laughs> but it's kind of related.
0: Um, uh, look, I, I'm a believer. I, be- mm-hmm. I believe in that yeah. um, stuff. I, I, I find it not incredible that you know the government has potentially interacted with materials that are not from uh, around uh, here, and that they could be from you know other.
1: So they said they're communicating planets. with them. They've been talking Gosh. with them for years. We had the, did you see the Canadian Minister of Defense? No, I didn't see that. I didn't see that he either. got. He came on, did a big interview. He's a former, and he said, we've been communicating with him for 50 years. They've been meeting with us. They gave a fiber optic cable. That's so how we got fiber optic cable, all these things. The former Minister of Defense of Israel did another show on CNBC like two years ago saying the same thing. Really? I haven't Just I pretty haven't wild. Those. I mean, it's-, it's These are uh, pretty credible it's, folks. These are yeah. credible people saying multiple, kind of the same story what I mean, what, what kind of beings are they? Are they like humanoid type beings, or the they Canadian guy them? said, yeah, they they uh, there's he said there's four species, two of them can walk amongst humans and you wouldn't even know who they are, the other wow. two are similar enough but you would know if they walked around with humans. And yeah. so, anyways, it's, it's, I watched this whole interview and I was like, this is I mean these are credible people on there and, then, and the guy's like, I'm on my deathbed, I've got nothing else to like. There's no reason for me to lie to you. Right this i'm just telling you the truth yeah. of what's going on which is pretty interesting like i say, i'm a i'm a believer um i don't believe so this everything will, this but, will uh, dovetail into our next topic yeah. but the, the one guy I saw today he was he was speaking he's like he's like the aliens talked to me this is an older guy he said they talked to me they told me that we need to have depopulation we need to have all these kind of left left essentially yeah. all leftist agenda items yeah. and it, <laughs> he's now using the argument that the aliens are telling me I see. that this is what we should yeah. be doing which I thought was pretty interesting now just dovetailing into you've been after ESG for a little bit I was watching your Twitter. You guys have gone after this. So walk us through your stance on ESG with companies, with BlackRock, you got Fidelity, these big companies that have- you have a lot of
0: funds that you represent. You have a lot of um, people in the investment community
1: who are- And there's been this kind of turn on ESG. I mean, Larry Fink, the the CEO of BlackRock, was big on ESG a decade ago. We got to do ESG. ESG, And then as, as a few months ago, he's saying, well, this didn't really turn out to what we wanted it to be. It's not doing what it the original plan. It's not really doing what it meant to be. What are your thoughts on all that? Yeah,
0: I think it didn't turn out because the original plan was to do it kind of quietly, mm. um, secretively, um, without a lot of transparency in, in the dark, if uh, so to speak. And uh, look, I'm not going to equate ESG with you know child trafficking, but but again, there you can get a lot done if people aren't paying attention and they just mm. don't know, and there's not a light that's shining on it. Yeah. Part of my job, I feel like, is to shine a light um, Mm -hmm. on these issues. It's not always my job to resolve them. Congress can, others can, but sometimes it is. Congress tried to take action against ESG, for example, on a rule that would limit asset managers Mm -hmm. from being able to breach their fiduciary duty and start factoring in a whole host of other considerations Mm -hmm. beyond maximizing shareholder value or maximizing profit or return to the shareholder. And It was challenged by a number of states. We led that along with Mm -hmm. Texas and and had 24 states um, join Utah. We sued uh, OSHA, the Department of Labor, to say, no, we we believe that asset managers, we believe that the safest place for asset managers is to be where they always have been, which is devoid of politics. Mm Because while ESG seems to be leaning left now, Bridger, in a few years, it could flip. You and go far right-wing. you yeah. could go far right-wing instead
1: of ESG. could be about defense spending mm. and other things. And so I don't want anybody... So walk people through that are listening that don't understand this. Like, what are yeah. the dangers of ESG? Where, so, where would it lead if it went to the extreme? Yeah,
0: the funny thing is hard to define what ESG because even for those who are involved in it, it's pretty amorphous. It's mm. not a very clear-cut standard. It's kind of subjective. So essentially, the E stands for environment. The S is for social. The G is for government. It is a movement to try to help accelerate the result of the Paris Accords or agreements, mm. which was to, at least on the east side, lower emissions and mm-hmm. get down to net zero by 2030 or at least 2050. Mm-hmm. And it involves governments and a whole lot of NGOs and all sorts of people who, I think at the core, there there are some true believers who strongly feel like this alien mm-hmm. apparently, or, you know, the gentleman <laughs> yeah. who's being informed by an alien that yeah. if we don't get there, our lives are, are over and earth mm. is done. And so even though I don't agree with that, at least, at, at, I mean, well, I respect that that is, they truly believe that, mm-hmm. but what they decided to do is so like, we can't get any of this passed because look like Congress is try to run that by Congress. And the American people and folks on both sides will say, "No, you know, I don't want to pay twenty dollars mm. for gas. No, yeah. I don't want to. Um, I don't want to have to suffer the effects of a lot of what ESG is trying to promote." Mm. So, because they couldn't win at the ballot box, because they can't win in the halls of Congress, they said, "You know what? Let's leverage the fact that we have trillions of dollars under management. We have trillions of dollars in insurance." Um, might we have mm-hmm. trillions of dollars when it comes to banking and if we can get banks to pressure folks, kind of like operation choke point back in the mm-hmm. Obama administration, if we can get them to debank people or clients, if they don't do what we want, mm-hmm. and if we can get insurance companies to kick clients off of their insureds, if they don't do what we want, then they're, they're out. By the way, all of that really violates a whole host of other oh, state yeah. and federal laws. And in my view, and especially with asset managers, most people what's, don't realize that their their funds are being
1: voted a certain way, right? Well, yeah, Black, I mean, yeah, a lot of their 401k goes right to these big institutions that hold 10 to 15% of equity in yep. pretty much every major country, country in the world. You shared, what's a few examples of them saying to, let's say BlackRock owns 10% of Disney and says, Disney, you've got to do, what are an example of a few things like X, Y, or Z, you're a company, you've got to do these things to be ESG. Well, it, that, that, What would be a, a few it, examples? It, it, it changes, so broad. right? Um,
0: you need to, you're, you are a, a, petroleum company. You need to divest yourself of, uh, you know, petroleum. You're like, what, but that's what we, that's mm. what we do. Yeah. Um, well, sorry. Um, I it, mean, it's a, it, when I say in certain parts, um, it, it's, it's a hidden agenda. It's because they were trying to do it again without a whole lot of attention, but their end goal is very clear. There's, there's no ambiguity about that. It's, we want to kill fossil fuels. We want to destroy it, annihilate it. President Biden himself has said that just like Jimmy Carter took care of nuclear. And, mm. and there, there's no nuclear, um, anymore when it comes to, you know, energy, he, he said, I want to do that for, for fossil fuels. And so when you have the government using its might combined with the leverage of trillions of dollars, if you look at Private state Capital. street, mm-hmm. you, you look at Vanguard and you look at BlackRock together, those big three, they have AUM more th- than the GDP of the United States in terms of trillions of dollars. And so it's a brilliant strategic move because you can bypass Congress. You mm-hmm. can bypass the will of the people. I think it's a very unconstitutional and very immoral move, but it's strategically brilliant yeah. because you don't have to worry about what the people think. Mm-hmm. You don't; It doesn't get voted up or down. Again, in a transparent halls of Congress where people debate in their um you know hearings, you know, it, it gets voted by proxies that are 99% controlled by two major, you know, a duopoly that are controlled by people who have the, the agenda that yeah. is pro-ESG. And so the average Americans working their heart out, not realizing that their own funds mm. are being used in a way essentially voted against their own values or their own principles that would never stand. It wouldn't happen if it was done the proper Public way. Public sector, is private, so, yeah. so not only is it a bad bet because ESG has been losing money. So you just take that, ESG is down over the last five years by many different studies. You know, on average, I think it's like five percentage points um, below um, non-ESG. Mm, so, investments, yeah. So, it, and it's clearly, if you want to if you want to invest in G- ASG on your, with your own dollars and you want to be an activist, you're fully entitled to do that. But when you have charge of other people's mm-hmm. money and you're a fiduciary, you can't do that. Yep. And that's kind of the, the line. What's,
1: what's interesting is Target and Bud Light are the two targets last this summer of, yeah. you know, just people say, I'm not going to shop there after a Target had their big kind of Satanist clothing line that came out. And Bud Light had the Dylan Mulvaney thing. Yeah. And what's interesting is both those companies haven't put out any apologies at all for what they did. And you, they, some of the interviews from their executives, they all say, well, we are following our biggest shareholders that have ESG initiatives. Yeah. And so we aren't going to apologize for this. And I think Bud Light's lost, I don't know, 10 billion in market cap. And it's they're killing. now, um, it's absolutely destroying their and market the, share. And but you ESG look folks at, don't care. And you look at the cap table, but yeah. it's like, well, it's better to do that than to have BlackRock and Vanguard yeah. move uh, 18% of our total market cap would sell tomorrow and we would our market cap would drop even further. So they're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place place, as a CEO, it's it's very interesting. And if you don't support, whatever the thing of the day is, it could be a war in Ukraine, it could be Black Lives Matter, it could be tomorrow, it could be very right wing movement, it could be for people on both sides and they can do what they want. Well, I testified before
0: the House Oversight Committee on ESG, and this is an example I used because we talk about E all of the time. Give me an example of the S, social. Mm -hmm. said, equally concerning, why? Because here's an example. Travelers, the giant insurer, mm. last year came, you know, uh, a razor's edge that close to passing a resolution that would have required them to violate laws in you know dozens of states. Why? Well, the resolution by activist shareholders proposed that for um, certain uh, you know people of color, an audit needed to be done of every insured to see what their background was, what their racial mm-hmm. ethnic background was, ostensibly to see if they were being treated better or worse or, you know, than, than anyone else. So the, on one side, they're saying, hey, we, we want to be able to, to unearth if there's any discrimination happening. However, what they failed to realize is if that passed, they would be in violation of Utah and many other states' laws that protect people from having the insurer ask them what their background mm. is to avoid... Discrimination. Yeah. So the laws that were set in place mm. to protect people like myself, person of color from discrimination would be violated by the very resolution that was passed. And it was brought up and mm. you could tell the traveler's Board's like, we don't want this law. The liability is through the roof. This will kill our company. Mm. And, and it doesn't matter because the activists are more concerned with achieving their agenda Hmm. than protecting the assets of the company and the shareholders. And they took it, the board took it to the SEC, which should be a gatekeeper. And the SEC should have said, if they do it all the time in the past, that's crazy. Hmm. You can't do that. But instead, because the SEC right now is under uh, an administration that has, uh, you know, a vowed agenda to destroy fossil fuels, they said, yeah, we're not going to do anything, um, you know, social governance yeah. for, for in, in in this particular administration, talking about the social part, the same thing with the administration. They're like, no, we don't want to interfere because uh, we don't want to lose votes uh, on the side of these activist yeah. uh, people. And so it, the 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 irony is rich and it, it is a dangerous precedent, not only because it undermines the the really our democratic processes and and that's why it's that's the existential threat and then on a real day-to-day impact you know somebody who's managed funds for others and somebody who's invested for for others as part of a, a you know fund I, we we have a, a fiduciary duty um it violates that mm-hmm. duty and we're you're losing money um to score political points um or to to, uh, you know, effectuate a political agenda. And it's it's a horizontal agreement. Yeah. It's, it's like antitrust. All of these interlocking giant mega industries are saying, okay, we'll take away your insurance, your financial capabilities at banks. Your, your, and, and that's why we have fought so hard. And, and it seems a like
1: there's a, a movement right now, a change of this rhetoric with ESG. Yeah. I mean, Larry Fink has actually come out and kind of said, well, yeah, we kind of, exactly. Missed the point here, which is a big, he's the CEO of Blacker. I mean, a, right. that's a big person to come out and say that you, a lot of AGs are coming out against this. Do you see over the next 12 to 18 months a, a shift? I do. I think you're right. And I, and you brought that up earlier. There has
0: already in the last 18 months been a large shift um, where ESG is now there's a lot of skepticism and people are starting to pull back or pull out a number of those that belong to these, you know, mm. net zero um, 100 plus and net zero banking. And many of their members are pulling out. Why? Because they know, Bridger, they know that what they're doing is not right. Mm. And they know now that we're willing to, to exercise our prerogative and our authority. And we're looking at, we we could sue them, uh, potentially on a number of different ways. We we've, we've sued at FERC, um, the federal energy regulatory commission to Mm. say, FERC, you, um, you have to divest some of these folks because they're killing. And FERC said, you're right. I mean, the, our grid stability, our, our power safety and stability is at in historic vulnerability right now. Mm. And FERC has said it's because of this whiplash attempt to change our entire infrastructure with energy to, to kowtow to all of these mandates. And if you don't worship at the altar of their dogma, then they will try to, you know, cancel you Mm. and it's effective and it's powerful. And so the AGs and the treasurers and governors and others, um, we've been fighting back. Congress tried to stop that and the president overrode with a veto, the congressional uh, mandate. Mm. And so we as AGs had to step into the breach and I think it'll go all the way to the Supreme Court. And just like the case that we got the Supreme Court to rule in our favor, that outlawed you know, the the Department of Labor was going to institute fines during COVID for all small businesses that didn't mandate vaccination for their employees. Oh yeah, a big, and one. it was huge. Oh yeah, that's big. And 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 folks were in such a quandary, but they knew that their businesses were suffered. Many of them themselves weren't vaccinated, and and yeah. I'm not here to you know get into all of the the, the the politics of that. The reality is, oh, you have a liberty uh, and and a liberty interest, and so we sued department of labor went all the way to the Supreme court. We won. Hmm. And I think this will be the same result, especially with the current construct of the Supreme court, because they're more Liberty uh, and rule of law minded. uh, I believe that we will get the right result. And they'll say, look, stop playing politics. If you're a fiduciary, the, you know, to use a, a star Trek, um, you know, saying is your prime directive, Hmm. your highest duty, is to maximize value. Yeah. Go out and, and do that. And let the lawmaking be done by policy makers yeah. and
1: debated. And let the law enforcement and let capitalism go and the inefficiencies inefficiencies will shake themselves. And capitalism out. is yeah. not a
0: perfect system, but it's the best system. Yeah. It's the best we um, got. Yeah. That that, w- that we have. It's you know why so many people will die to to come to this country, and yep. I, I just gave a speech last night. Again, I think America is the greatest nation in the world. Not because Americans are inherently better than anybody. I don't think we're more deserving than any other uh, uh, people in the world. I just think we're more blessed. I think we're incredibly fortunate, and we have these opportunities and we have these liberties that um, you know people are willing to stand up mm-hmm. and die for and protect. And so we we have to fight yeah. and be vigilant or
1: we'll find ourselves losing those liberties, Bridger. Yeah. Well, I'm grateful for good people like you to fight that yeah. fight. I want to ask a few last questions nah, here. I'll yeah, get you yeah. out of here. A lot of people say, well, I, I would go into politics. I wouldn't. I think I, I love your story that you were in the private sector, pulled into politics. Yeah. I know you have these people that are career politicians. Anyways, we can talk about that, but we won't. People, I, I think there's some of the best politicians of tomorrow are probably business people or people that are doing incredible careers today. That should go to and that's i think what the founding fathers intended would everyone kind of take their turn in politics and you get right. a very diverse group and so but a, a big objection for a lot of people is my family i don't want to go into politics because i've got kids a wife a spouse family they're going to be now drawn into this what's that been like for you and your family it's
0: been hard on the family Has that i think if all my family members voted they would have uh, voted to have me go back mm-hmm. to the private sector uh, mm-hmm. a while ago but i wouldn't keep running without their approval. So what's been hard about it? Having said that, they, they realize that, and we feel like it's not just me contributing, that it's the family contributing. Mm. Right. And I've, I've couched it like that because I couldn't do most of what I do without, you know, having an incredible wife and supportive kids who are, who are willing to, to, to spend time away from me. Um, I do try to involve them in as Mm. many things as I possibly can. That's allowable that, um, and so they've, they've been around and seen, uh, you know, if there's service issue or service projects, I should say, or, you know, anything that we're doing um, positive in the community, I, I try to involve. It's hard because the media, especially these days, yeah. seem like they're intent on destroying people and saying whatever it takes without really being concerned about the facts or the truth. So that's, that's a hard thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, in law enforcement, when you're going up against, cartels and organized crime, it, it, the, you know, there's, there's threats, yeah. you know, there are threats to my, to me, to my family. There's, um, just being in the public eye generally mm. is, is difficult. And, um, the time away, uh, is, is tough, right? At yeah. times just keep going back for another case, going back for another argument, going back for another brief, Um, and, and, and I try to get out as much as I can in Utah. So there's 29 counties, you know, and Mm -hmm. get out in every County deserves to have a voice and deserves to have representation. I do want to mention one thing. So many people that I get to work with, there are a lot of career public servants, people who are in office, whether they're elected or they've just chosen to serve there who are, I'm so glad that they're there. And the fact that they've been their, their entire careers is positive. Hmm. That said, you're right. There are many others who um, probably couldn't cut it in the private sector and, and they're there hmm. now. And I, I think that they contribute to the inherent inefficiencies of so much hmm. of government. Our government was architected and our systems to not be really reactive, not be as nimble as the private sector. Hmm. Right? So the stuff yeah. I was ready and able to do before, as long as it was legal, and we had the capital. Yeah, let's boom, do it. Let's yep. go and let's do it. Now there is so much uh, deliberation and there's so many processes. In some ways, that's good because we tend not to sway too far one way or the other as a nation mm-hmm. or as a community. However, it's you know mind-numbingly frustrating when you're trying to just get stuff done to help people, to protect people. And when you have a lot of bureaucrats or people with a bureaucratic sort of mindset. Uh, Oh, Let's not do that. We've always, you know, this is the way we've always done it or Mm -hmm. that man that's, you know, so outside the box. Um, look, if it's my view, if it's legal and it's moral, um, and we can get it done here in Utah, let's go, let's lead out. And if other people are, should be doing it, they're not doing it. Then look, we'll jump in. And as long as it's not prohibited and let's, so the AG office, yeah, it's expanded a little bit in in Utah. It's, it has, it's core that we are so good at. Protecting and representing Utahns. But while we're doing that, if we can, why not help bridge and, and have Utah become even more so a, a global crossroads for commerce and for community and for culture and for capital? And if we're going to keep with the C's, coolness, too, for, for that. <laughs> I mean, we have brought, yeah. like Jackie Chan, we brought Kanye. Kanye West came out and we helped him put on a, a Saturday service uh same same weekend as uh you know uh, the General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. you know we had them worshiping together. We just hosted um this weekend um Dana white the UFC well, Dana mm-hmm. wasn't here. he was in his, he had a birthday in, in in Europe, but we had you know some of the biggest UFC yeah, so stars. Cool. That's to me part of the culture and coolness that's complementing the capital. People don't realize how you know more unicorns per capita in in Utah you know, Goldman's second largest office when you're talking about, you know, uh, finance. finance and yeah. I mean, so much. Look at what you're doing with your fund. It's it's incredible. And people around the world don't know Utah. And because I get invited to speak at, at various conferences to train folks on human trafficking or on tech policy, like where's that confluence in AI mm-hmm. or crypto um, blockchain on too much regulation or not enough regulation and innovation and because I have a background while I'm doing all that, man, I get to see so much. I get to connect and be a bridge and bring capital into the state or help us deploy capital into exciting stuff like, uh, you, you know, uh, alcohol use disorder, uh, cure. And to me, the, the more that I can bring in to, to Utah that can incubate here and the more that we can continue to be pioneers and leaders, the better I am um, uh, it, you know, accomplishing my, my duty. Um, it, it helps Utah in so many different ways. It, mm, it might rankle yeah. some people because they're like, that's I not what that. other yeah. AGs do. Yeah. Uh, historically, a lot of governors like, Hey, you, you work for us. We don't, we're independently elected. The mm-hmm. governor's not my boss. He's my client sometimes. Mm-hmm. And although this governor and I work well together, I know a lot of other governors in the country are like, no, the AG, you know, you work for us, just sit in your little cubicle and come out like a good little lawyer when we need a, a legal opinion. Well, mm-hmm. gone are those days. I'm telling you, brother, the AG office right now, we have the, the ability and I think the responsibility to be able to hold the federal government in check. When they violate the constitution, mm. who else is gonna do that? Themselves, no. Nope. It's got to be this. State. I've seen you teaming up with other AGs. Yeah, you guys it's have been suing with 20 AGs or
1: 25 AGs sometimes, or suing the federal Sometimes 45 federal government.
0: AGs because a lot of what we do, again, is nonpartisan. Yeah. We're like firefighters. Our mm-hmm. job is to go put out the fire, rescue your family. The, the politics really don't matter. Mm-hmm. It's these wedge issues that are important issues and, and, and tend to be sort of zero-sum issues. Like, yeah. okay, you're on one side or the other. But so much of what we do is not. It's not... Fighting human trafficking is not a Democrat issue or Republican issue. It's a humanitarian issue. Everybody should be arm in arm, locked in, lockstep, fighting against human trafficking. I mean, unless you're the cartel or your organized crime benefiting from it, who actually is for human trafficking? The perpetrators, maybe, uh, you know, the some of these high-profile ones, um, included, yeah, and cartels. But unfortunately, politics again. Uh, you know, it weaponizes and yeah love know, it. politicizes even good things like that. So I love being I where I'm cool.
1: at. Ah, such a cool thing.
0: One of the main reasons I came in as AG and accepted the position was Utah used to be known as the fraud capital uh, mm. of of the, you know, nation. Yeah. Actually, beyond that, speaking of aliens, I think we were like the fraud capital of the, <laughs> the universe. Yeah. Like Klingons were like, yeah, I don't know those deals yeah. down in, in England, yeah. or in, in Utah County or and I came in, and we we started throwing a lot of guys in prison, and started fighting back against yeah. you know white collar fraud and crime and online crime and organized retail crime. Sometime I'd love to come on and talk to you just about that. That's an eighty to ninety billion dollar loss to the retail industry. Because shoplifting, exactly or, or, that. But it's so far beyond shoplifting. Yeah. Shoplifting implies like you know what when you were like ten and you're like stealing some gum. Yeah. This is organized crime oh. using boosters that come in. A lot of them human trafficked. Across the border, and they're, instead of just muling drugs, they now go from Home Depot to Target to Lowe's to Walmart, and because many prosecutors in those jurisdictions over the years have been, you know, little by little placed in those positions, hmm. and they won't prosecute that crime or those crimes, yeah. then law enforcement doesn't. Why would if you're a police officer, why respond to that if the case isn't going to get it's not gonna prosecuted? Yeah. You endanger yourself. And the companies themselves have a non-intervention policy. Mm-hmm. So they won't stop you. too much you. liability to So the cartels that. know this. Like, well, if the company's not going to stop you and the cops aren't going to stop you, there's no risk. It's, it is the best deal. And they are sending boosters every single day. Now, fortunately, in the state of Utah. And they're going
1: to steal in, in groups. They steal in groups. that come in. And then in. Pull it, and they're reselling it they're online. They're reselling it online or through uh,
0: fencing it through pawn shops or others. Yeah. And it's a little bit of an exaggeration, but yeah. not much. If you and I went right now and you could pick the big box retailer we called over and said, Hey, we're going to hit you at this time. They very well might help us load in the stuff from aisle 15 <laughs> and load, Cause they don't, the faster they can get us in and out, the less potential liability wow. they have. That's why you see Walmart pulling out of so many yeah. cities yep. right um, in the Northwest and, and in Northern California and Minnesota, because it is an epidemic. And, and I think it just further, creates a, an element of lawlessness kind of an attitude yeah. of you you look at what else then comes when there's a lot of that as you if i can steal shock, then i can do x, you y, and do z. x y and z yeah. there's vandalism there's yeah, i mean you can't even park your car and i used to live in the bay area try going to san francisco the, the homeless populations, which is another issue by the way that's republicans and democrats all we've done a terrible job on mental health um, policy. And, and that's a large driver to why we have so much homelessness. But the, if you go to those communities and you have no enforcement of the law or very little, you will see very quickly, all of the, the criminal element start to,
1: to germinate. What's the solution to San Francisco? Is it just a strong AD, AG to come in there? Oh, I think it has to be more than just an AG, but it, that would be, are you kidding a me? start? But like, what's like, if, if, if we plug Sean Reyes into San Francisco as yeah. AG, what would you do? Give us like a, I don't know, a, a step-by-step plan. What would you do? Well, first here's days?
0: the problem. In California, I believe, if I understand correctly, the AG doesn't have criminal jurisdiction to go in to say, oh, um, interesting. you know, uh, Alameda County in Oakland and start enforcing or, mm. or into San Francisco in Utah. Fortunately, I do. I can go. I have jurisdiction for any criminal matter, original mm. jurisdiction. Now, because of resources and our respect for our local partners, we're not in all their business all the time. We have great police chiefs and we have great sheriffs. But you could though. But I could, they know that and I could, I can come down. California, I think you're hamstrung. Even in Texas, they have to get leave and permission from the local DA Mm. to be able to, and they they have more limited jurisdiction. So, but let's say even I was the DA down there, um, you could start uh, prosecuting those cases, but guess what? City council that hires you, Hmm. All of a sudden, or the mayor says, you know what? I'm going to fear you're done. Yeah. You, you, so you, you. it has to be the whole ecosystem. The whole group. It, it can't just be one individual. Although if you had a loud individual, and that's one of the things that I like. I, I'm not really worried about climbing a political ladder. Many of my colleagues and my friends, and I say this with the, with all due respect to them because it's they truly believe that that's their calling and that and that's their path. They want to climb and continue to get elected to different offices all the way up, potentially to be the president mm-hmm. of the United States. God bless them on, on all sides of, you know, politics. I was having so much fun and doing so many cool things. And I thought I was going to come in and spend a, a little while and then be back in the private sector. Mm-hmm. It, definitely longer than I thought. And I might run for one more term as AG, um, but I, I 2024, 2024, but I don't have a long-term plan to sort of climb up. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I don't really care. You can try to, you know, it's, too many people who have that as their ultimate, um, you know, career goal, then are hamstrung because mm-hmm. if they offend the wrong people, they're not they're going too, to the next ladder. They're not going to the next, mm-hmm. um, you know, rung up or they, they won't have the support that they need. And part of my, my, you know, immunity is okay. If at any point you all don't want me to work, um, doing what I'm doing, you don't think I'm doing a good enough job. And certainly there's room to disagree. I don't really mind people who have different, I went to Berkeley for law school. I mean, I'm used to debating friends. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, or I would say, fortunately back then was a lot of respect. When there's underlying respect, you can disagree on a lot of stuff, but, but work to try to find common ground. And and you know now it seems like it's again so tribal that mm. you're just one or the other and and, the, and you're the enemy the other side is evil but i get you you can think i'm wrong but it's this whole like okay because you support a particular candidate or because you're conservative mm-hmm. or because you uh per, you know belong to a particular faith you're going to get canceled and we'll use whatever mechanism we'll go file bar complaints. We'll go yeah. try to impeach you. Like,
1: wow. Okay. Really? Um, for many of them. Great. Um, I'd, I'd Do you see this? Be, this is the culture war currently in America. Do you see this turning? I mean, it's, are we hitting a point where it's just been so I wish. I wish far? I had that Do optimism? you see it starting to turn I, I, or no?
0: I, I don't so far yet. I mean, mm-hmm. I think there are people on, on all sides who are, who are kind of tired of the, Um, of the rhetoric, but I also don't actually see it changing much Mm. Um, because largely the people who drive that are still very much encamped on their own side. And so like the media, for example, if the media overnight, you could wave a wand and go back to days where it might've leaned one way or the other a little bit, but by and large, they were trying to tell a, a, a true story and get the facts and be balanced and fair. If you could go back to that, then I think I would have optimism to say, yeah, you could start as a culture, um, putting enough pressure on the institutions of power. But when it's not, when you have, for example, the media so divided into different um, sides, and then you have uh, academia, higher education, so ensconced in like one mm. particular orthodoxy, it's really difficult because there there there's there's not a lot of goodwill saying, "Hey look yeah. here's a uh, an olive branch. Let's try to find yeah again, uh, some something in the middle that we can work on together it's yeah. like it's, it's zero sum again. It's either we win or you
1: win, and we it's we're trying to survive <laughs> It's actually something I've loved about, hopefully a shift away from media. I mean, you see, uh, I think CNN's nightly their best nights are about three hundred thousand viewers a night, which is terrible. Tucker Carlson at his peak was about three million viewers a night, and Joe Rogan's about thirteen million viewers an episode, which is interesting. The I mean, Joe Rogan has essentially, you know. Forty to fifty x reach of CNN, right. per, and you get these. Lo, I I actually am very grateful for a long, these all these candidates. You have RFK. You have yeah. um, he's a friend of mine. Yeah. Oh, is he? Yeah, the, yeah. I mean, these all these candidates coming out now doing these long form podcasts where you can really listen and hear. Okay, what does this person really understand versus a right. two minute segment on CNN's Tonight Show? Sound and I hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we can transition. I I've actually liked Elon taking over Twitter to just have a public town square. We can debate. Still, I think I don't know. Hopefully, this culture war can turn to where.
0: Yeah, Elon at his real. right hand,
1: Jared Burchall, who has a mm. lot of Utah ties. I think he's
0: got like three of his kids at BYU. Oh, no way. They're amazing. Huh. And I, again, I love what they did at Twitter, not the least of which was they finally started to de platform all of the child sex pornographers mm. and predators on yeah. there. There was so much smut, there was so much evil on that platform, and everybody was pretending like it wasn't on there. Mm, and Elon came happen. in and yeah. said, look, this, this won't help uh, at first economically perhaps, but we're going to start bouncing a lot of these guys. And he put a ton, he personally was invested in that. And we, um, we had a lot of conversations with their team and, and and worked on that. Uh, I, I do to your point, here's a good example of a local Utah's the, the diesel brothers, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. heavy D diesel, Dave, uh, Keaton, the muscle Hoskins, they had a wildly popular cable show, but since they've gone to YouTube, they have like 10 times more reach and they're way more popular without having to put up with all the politics. Of dealing with Have a the, TV show, yeah, a TV show and cable station, so just like we had to put up with the politics with sound of freedom, of you know not getting. We're not being able to re- release our film. Disney shut us down for over five years, mm, you know, yeah. and as, as an associate producer, I was so frustrated, but even more so with our, the, the guys who are executive producers, you know, trying to, we went to different countries, just trying to get traction. And thank goodness for Angel Studios as yeah. our incredible partners here, who, you know, brought the world to Chosen and now 140 million plus and growing was, you know, the, the Philippines, uh, the president, Speaker of the House, Senate president just called me to say, can you allow us to show it there? Because we're mm-hmm. so excited, and we haven't officially launched internationally, but of course we're like, yeah, they yep. want to show it to their en- entire Congress. Cool. Those types wow. of, I think Angel is showing just like um, YouTube and 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 using those other long form types of social media, uh, how influential we have. Limitless, we talked about coming out with guys like Dan Fleischman and Ed Milette and you know, brilliant speakers who have incredible reach. Dan Fleischman alone, I mean, look at that, his. Uh, following is, you know, off the charts. Um, so I don't know, I hope you uh, come and, and, and are on the, the lineup, uh, uh for that, that that's going to be a really cool event for Utah. I think the largest collection of a uh, kind of influencers from, yeah, it's pretty cool. you know, from that, yeah. uh, from
1: that genre, um, or that milieu,
0: um,
1: let me get you out of here. Yeah. One final question. We'll we're gonna cut through. I know you've been in here for a while. I got to get you home. No, no, no it's all good. I, um, you're, you're, I love asking people this question. This has been a pleasure to have you on, by the way.
0: Oh, yeah. No, you probably this regret it. This is so good. Bridger, you didn't realize. Like, I know. I was oh like, crap, gosh. we got Sean here now. No, no. This has no. been phenomenal. Like, I've asked him two
1: questions and yeah. he just keeps talking. That this has been of... phenomenal. Final question I love asking people this question. Yeah. If you had, this is your last interview you ever did. And okay. you had about one minute to tell the world what you felt was most important to you. And this would be, you know, you'd be remembered by this or your kids would like, this would be the last interview that Sean Reyes ever did. Yeah. And you had about one minute, minute and a half. I want to interrupt you. I'll just let you go. I haven't prepped you on this. So I'm giving you, I'm, I'm gonna talk for a second, give you a little time No, it's here. good. I mean, I have a lot but, uh, of different
0: ones, but this this one will be.
1: So yeah, if you had one minute to share this with the world, what would it be? Um, so
0: uh, I was giving a Ted talk in 2016. And right before I went on stage, my mom called and I was like, oh man, this is like not convenient. Cause it's like seconds before I go on. And I had a few seconds to jump on with her and basically said, mom, I'll call you later. We're, we're actually after this speech Um, we're going down to southern utah and i won't have connectivity but i'll call you a couple days later sunday we'll catch up and she said you know love you son i'm so proud of you and and this is a tiger mom like she grounded me in ninth grade for getting an a minus and ap calculus (laughs) right and so second grade to like um law school i had like a's and she so she's stern but she said so proud of you i know you'll do well tell your little brother dr kyle reyes that he'll do well, too, and mm. I just, just wanted you to know. And I was like, okay, thanks, Mom. I'll call you back later. I go out, do the TED Talk, which you can still see on YouTube, and it was at UVU. We went down, and we were enjoying the Red Rock Country, and um, somehow uh, my sister was able to send a text down that pinged down that said, we need you home right away. Mom's on life support. We won't let mm. her go. Um, and so within just a matter of 24 48 hours from the time that I talked to her, she was almost lost to us. I went down and James Clark was, was the angel that day helped me get a plane ride on his jet to, to LA. Um, we got to sing her, her favorite songs. Um, she never was responsive, um, you know, audibly. I think sh- her spirit was there and could feel us. Um, and we let her go the next morning on Easter Sunday. Mm, Why am I wow. sharing that with you? Because um, it was such a blessing for me such a gift looking back to have the last conversation ever. And since you're talking about last interviews Mm. in that context with my mom, that it was, I love you and that I'm proud of you. And then I, in the confidence, I know you'll do well. And I'm so grateful that I picked up the call because I was, you know, not going to, and I would have just called her on Sunday and things would have been fine. Like they always were except they wouldn't have been because I would have lost the opportunities. I literally didn't say, you know, uh, all that I wanted to, but before I left, I said, bye, I love you too, mama. Uh, and I'll talk to you Sunday. And I think that we get so caught up. So I just told you I work, you know, 100 plus hour weeks. And, you know, if ever you're in a situation, Bridger, where that's the biggest deal that you're ever about to close or for any of the readers or viewers, the most important um, appointment interview, job interview, um, uh, Ted talk. It doesn't matter if it's a closing that, you know, and everything's riding on it and your future career, it doesn't matter if your parents call you pick up the phone, tell them that you love them. If your wife or your husband calls you, you make sure that they feel like they're the most important person in the world. Cause in my world, my wife is the most important thing in the world. She's the greatest mm-hmm. thing that's ever happened to me and nothing good in my life that I have would, uh, would be mine without her and her sacrifice and her strength and her, her beauty, you know, internally, her fortitude. She is the, she is the rock for us. And if my kids call, same thing I've had, I've, I've been with presidents, literally sitting with them. And one of them, you know, was like, Hey, I need you to do, uh, you know, be here for this or that. And my kids called and I said, sir, uh, I've got to be at home for my daughter or for my sons. Um, you know. Most recently, I, I canceled a really big uh, event uh, when my daughter left to go serve a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day mm-hmm. Saints. She just returned back, but I remember making that call and I was a little nervous because I thought, oh man, I've already committed, people are coming, everybody's gonna be there, they will be so disappointed. And I just said, I'll, I'll never ever have another chance to be there to send her off. Mm, and yeah. and that's the most important thing. So that was a lot longer than I one minute, that. but my you, parting Sean. words of wisdom are, know what is most important in mm-hmm. your life. For me, it's family and always put them first and everything else, no matter how important, even if it's saving people from alcoholism or rescuing little kids, um, those are still secondary to your family. Yeah.
1: I love it. Sean, thank you for sharing. Yeah, that. thanks, brother. Sean Reyes, everybody. Go follow him online. Right, go see your show on yeah. A&E. So, uh, right? Yeah, go check him out. Sean Reyes, UT on Instagram. Yeah. You can find me on
0: LinkedIn if you want a little less political debate, which I like. Um, just, mm-hmm. you know, business and and uh, yep. the things that we, we can all agree on as Americans go. and human beings. Yeah, go find him on Twitter
1: and LinkedIn, yep. all the good spots. Watch Sean sure.
0: Skinwalker Ranch occasionally. <laughs> yeah. Tune in um, next uh, uh, spring for a season two of Addiction Unplugged. And please, please go watch Sound of Freedom. Let's get it over two hundred million and send a message to yeah, Hollywood so cool. and all of those big studios that the American people um, have the willpower and and, and the way to uh, to bring forward uh really strong uh messages and great and great cinema so thanks bridger good luck to you and all your businesses that you're repping out there. I love it. Thanks,
1: Sean. Hey, hey guys, hope you're enjoying the show. Now, as you know, we don't run advertisements on this channel. We just spread this by word of mouth. So if you can, please rate and review the show. If it's benefited your life anyway, please drop that down below. I actually love reading them. I love seeing what people say and share and stuff. So if you guys can, if this show has helped you in any way, shape or form, please rate and review and share this with a friend or two that may benefit their life. We do this just to help more people understand this game that we're playing.